Hi, it's October 23rd, 2009. My name is Aria DeSalvo, and this is 508, a show about Worcester. Good morning, Worcester, and I'm Mike Benedetti, also here, Brendan Mellican. Morning. Not too cold this week. A lot of news, a lot of Worcester news going on. Drug paraphernalia, one bag with a uh, marijuana leaves on it. Good. It's windy. I'm sure they're all blowing around now. It is super windy out here today. Um, a lot of news in Worcester this week. Um, Telegram and Gazette feuding with the police department some more. A uh, guy who uh, taught very briefly, apparently, at the Muslim school on Mountain Street uh, busted as a terrorist conspirator, alleged terrorist conspirator this week. I think we will, of course, talk about much more trivial and odd things. Does it seem like a good plan? I think that's a great plan. Later on today's show, in fact, we'll, we will argue and tell you why you should vote for every single incumbent in the upcoming Worcester election. Um, but first, uh, I don't know. Let's talk about let's talk about your campaign, actually. Okay. First, my campaign is called the Stop Suing Carbon Campaign. And, and people might have read this in this week's Worcester Magazine. Exactly. About you might have read about it. Uh, Jesse and Megan Weeks are very passionate about the issue. Um, and everyone should be because if these biomass incinerators are built, it's going to affect the air quality for all of us, the water quality. Um, these are huge incinerators that we don't need. They would only pr uh, produce 1% more electricity than we currently use in Massachusetts. But there's a few people who would make a lot of money off of them, and that's why this plan has gotten as far as it has. And and these and these incinerators are basically burning like scraps of wood from logged forests and things like this. Scraps of wood, but the amount of wood that they would need would really require whole trees being cut down and clear cutting a lot of Massachusetts potentially. And um, that's something we don't want to see happen, I'm sure. If you look around, it's beautiful park run now. That would be a really terrible thing um, for, for I, this area, potentially. I actually burn wood <laughs> up the street. So. <laughs> I mean, I'd be well, the right person to talk to. It's different for people burning wood in their homes for heat or smaller incinerators. These are huge incinerators that produce very inefficient electricity. So, And really what the petition would do is... Um, it would limit the amount of carbon dioxide that these incinerators can produce if they're going to be considered green, clean energy. So this is mostly about whether or not they should get a green energy subsidy for this that's, kind of yeah. uh, alternate energy. That's that's basically what it is. Okay. Do you want your tax dollars going toward um, something that pollutes worse than coal does for carbon dioxide, or do you want your tax dollars subsidizing solar, wind, geothermal, things that are actually renewable and clean energy? And you have, and I want to talk about something that I don't think was highlighted in Worcester Magazine this week, which is that on your flyer it says, get paid to fight climate yes. change. Yes, so you can actually get paid to help us collect signatures. It's a big deal for the next month to try to get the number we need, 67,000 signatures from residents, registered voters in Massachusetts. So if you want to get 50 cents per signature, you can contact the campaign at www.stopspewingcarbon.org. You can sign up there, and if you're in Worcester, I'll contact you personally, and you can help um, help out. You could make about $400 a week if you did it full-time for the next couple weeks. So it's not bad if you're unemployed. Give me a call. Even if you hate the environment, it still is an issue that deserves to be on the ballot so everyone can vote on it. Unemployed environment haters, 
this is your opportunity to make a few bucks. Do you have you, Brendan? <laughs> Brendan, you're like the you're like you're like the the pundit of the city of Worcester. Do you have any idea? Do you have any thoughts on biomass generation? I just always thought the idea of burning stuff in general just wasn't didn't really make much much sense. It seems like over the last five years or so, we've started started hearing about like clean coal and which seems to be a bit of an oxymoron, um, whether it's biomass or whatnot. The idea of, of burning stuff to make energy, whether it's heat or, you know, to turn generators to, to make electricity, seems like taking a giant step backwards as opposed to a uh, even small step forward. Um, but I have to admit I'm not as uh, knowledgeable on the issue as our guest here today probably is. Hello. <laughs> well, thanks. Well, thanks for telling us about that. Thanks so much. You can you can go back to your car if you're cold. Otherwise, I, you can hang out I'll here hang with out. us it's and really listen nice. to our nonsense. It's All right. Um, uh, so we were also going to talk about misogyny in Worcester journalism this week. I think we're again going to put this off. Two weeks in a row, we were going to, but not because we couldn't get Chacha on the phone. We mostly, we to have Chacha talk about this because Chacha has been. Uh, uh, the target of more misogyny than I have, and so, and she actually, and also when I brought this up to her, she had a humongous amount of stuff to say via the email. So maybe we'll get her on via the podcast. Maybe we could just read the email. We could, oh, I don't know if these emails are for public consumption or not. Um, also, oh, another piece of uh, election news actually today is that apparently the ma- the current mayor's husband has cars registered outside the city. Dun, this, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> this, this of course, uh, this of course, I think going along with the In City Times yesterday, broke the news that Joe Bryan is uh, tied to Jim McGovern and to unions, <laughs> and and as I said to these guys earlier, Barack Obama's father, a black man. <laughs> these things nobody knew until the press pointed them out. Um, actually, I want to read from. Uh, um, Maybe we'll do a couple trivial internet things and then get into something more reasonable. Um, here is a, a, from a comment that we got this week. I feel like we're still not getting enough comments to make it to make me feel like I have to be out here in bad weather. Uh, Tracy Ma- Novick actually sent me a comment uh, last night saying that she felt horrible that we were out in the winter, and if we want, we can just go into her living room down the street. Um, but we could probably also go into my living room too. That I would be a, that would be a conflict of interest for us as journalists. Yeah, I think that would definitely be a conflict of interest. That's fake. We journalism. like it out here. <laughs> we do. Um, it's uh, this is from Nicole posting to the blog. I think that there are some important benefits to having professional journalists in a newspaper with some money behind it, and points out that, for example, if you want to have somebody fight uh, city hall or fight the police department for information, it helps to have an organization which has the resources of a city hall or a police department. Which we don't have. Which you and I don't have. <laughs> Although I would say that, you know, I mean, th- this is probably something actually where, uh, uh, you know, like nonprofits like the ACLU or something larger. I mean, I don't know if they're going to be able to fight week to week on these things, but, it, you know, if you have somebody in a position like that to do sort of strategic litigation, right. that might actually be a way that this gets solved. Uh, and then she also points out, uh, to put it another way, does the presence of a really nice Salvation Army bookstore replace the book buying vacuum that has been left on my side of the city since another story? used bookstore closed. Isn't the book buying process improved by having a professional bookseller? It is. And, you know, I guess the I guess it is nice to have large professional journalistic organizations. You know, again, I think the argument just being that, like, in the same way that you can't have really large used bookstores anymore, that, like, the internet has just taken that out and has, you know, brought in some... In that case, actually brought in a lot of positive things. Yeah. I'm actually happier with... I would be happy... If it was a question of getting rid of all used bookstores in in favor and in exchange I get the internet to buy books on the internet I'd rather buy books on the internet 
you're still going to find more even on like Google Books for free than you are in your average used bookstore. Yeah, yeah. and it's like a it's like a trade-off you don't want to make, but there you go. Um, and here's something commenting about you. I also think that Brendan, was it last week or the week before, found a new respect for the Telegram watching a documentary about the family that ran the LA Times. Well, I think the Telegram does a decent job at giving the people a voice in the letters section. I don't agree that it's really bringing issues to the forefront. And then, or that it was when it was in its heyday. Why is voter turnout still so low? What could the paper of record do to improve that? I actually like the fact that she points out that it was not that good in its heyday. As I said, I've, I've read a number of issues of the Telegram and of the Gazette, late 60s, early 70s, mm -hmm. and it's not like it was this other world of amazing no, I think you'd probably, you could make the argument that the journalism was even more provincial uh, the further back in time you went. Um, there, there used to be like a sort of an, a shell over uh, City Hall that you know, nobody dared um, try and, and crack. Uh, it seems like over the last few years, maybe within the last few months since they've uh, done their major restructuring on, on the news side of things, um, that you've started to see more investigative journalism. The argument then becomes, do people actually want investigative journal journalism? Uh, some people just hate it. You know, they, they don't like that it, it puts a, a negative spin on... Um, uh, it makes on, the city look bad. It's it, bad for business. And, you know, I don't think that the... the, the it's bad for tourism. The it's bad for America. <laughs> Anything else is bad for? <laughs> the um, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it, it becomes the uh, the opposite of a PR machine for the city, but that's kind of their job. You know, I mean, if... And I think that's what I was getting at and talking about, you know, uh, uh, dictating a direction for the city uh, by virtue of picking apart the things that they see failures with uh, within uh, the city administration. They are, in fact, setting a direction and a tone for the city, saying, fix this and we won't bug you about this anymore. Um, this is a priority issue. But it's, it's a pretty new thing for, for the city of Worcester to see real investigative journalism, and I think that it makes a lot of people very uncomfortable. If you have, if, by the way, if you have anything to say, on this, I know, I know you're a recent, a recent Worcester arrivee. If you have anything to say about these, you just need to interrupt, though. Thanks. <laughs> I don't just have to sit here and shiver. I, <laughs> no, I am new to all this. It's, I've found, um, I found what I've learned about the media and politics here very interesting so far. All right, well, <laughs> that's all I'll say for now. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot to learn. Um, I want to talk about the Center for Nonviolent Solutions. I wanted to talk about um, two things that bloggers can do. I want to talk about why you should vote for city council challengers. I feel like we still have a few minutes. Is there any other big issue that we should talk about today? Um, well, going back to the, the, the newspaper, the, the news in general, I, I think the, the back and forth earlier in the week between the Telegram and the Worcester Police Department was pretty interesting. I mean, I, I think it's something that everyone should, should pay attention to. You know, it's I really think it's absurd and a major PR failing on, on the part of the police department. Uh, not that they are necessarily doing anything wrong, I, but I think they're doing themselves a major disservice by uh, not by just allowing the, the Telegram to focus on the negatives, you know, it, it sometimes they, they, it seems as though the city, whether it's one department or the, the uh, city administration as a whole, they lose sight of the fact that they can be their own PR machine if they want to. They can use the internet the same way you and I do. If they have a message to get out there, it kind of is their responsibility to be pushing all of the good stuff out the door. Uh, typically, the good stuff just isn't news. Uh, you know, like last night I went to the uh, big crime watch meeting over at uh, police headquarters. And that, uh, I mean, there's no doubt that the police department is doing a great job, right? I mean, there's, there's almost like zero crime in the city. It's just, it's plummeting. But Except for drug dealing by this pond. Except for drug dealing by this particular pond. But, I mean, we're fine with that over here. Uh, we're very tolerant. But, you know, but the thing is, that isn't news. Those are statistics. Uh, somewhere in there, is a, there, there, there may be a story, but right. you need to bring in a team of economists to actually figure out what's... That's what like anecdotal. 
And I mean, you'd need to bring in a, a group of researchers to actually look at those statistics and turn them into something meaningful. Uh, I don't think that's the what the telegram is is all about. That might make for a good chapter in Freakonomics, but it's not. Uh, you know, it, it, it's not news. They're just right. numbers. They're important numbers, but they're important numbers for the police department or for the city to actually be putting out for the public to digest and make of them what they will. Uh, not wait for the paper record to actually be just reporting on. Here's this quarter's numbers. Uh, yeah. The opposite of news. Well, I'm glad. I mean, I I, actually, I have to say, at least at, at least at the city council meeting where they discussed these issues, they did. I mean, they did sort of lead with this idea that crime-wise, things are good, and that's probably smart. And I don't think there's ever been a, there's been a question about that for for a long time. I mean, Worcester seems to be ahead of the national curve in terms of decreases, specifically in terms of violent crime. Um, violent crime is plummeting nationwide. Uh, sex crimes plummeting nationwide. Uh, that seems to also be the case here in Worcester, and we actually seem to be doing a little bit better. Uh, but again, you'd need a, a team of economists to actually determine what the cause is uh, for, for us doing better. It's not as simple as just having you know, a great police department. There's always going to be socioeconomic factors that come into play and whatnot, but you'd need a lot of research to actually figure out what those causes are. So the numbers themselves don't make for news. Uh, scandal within a department? Unfortunately, that is news. You know, I mean, it, it, it's not. It, it shouldn't be viewed as being, uh, you know, a, a, a reflection of the, the department as a whole. It's just saying that we might have a problem with this one person or with this one set of actions. It's That's a, it's a story, news. right? It's That's just an actual story. But it's all, but it's only a story. It's only a story. You're I'm amazed that you're defending the police. I'm, Good job. I, hey, I, I do what I can. No, I mean they deserve a lot of credit for for, for what they do. But you, again, you can't expect a front page story every day about what a great job the Worcester Police Department is doing. Sometimes we just have to take that for granted, uh, even if it hurts people's feelings that they're you know not getting accolades for doing a great job. Awesome. I want to talk about the Center for Nonviolent Solutions. This is a thing which is being organized out of the Quaker meeting up the road here. Uh, they actually have done, they've been organizing for like a year and a half. They have a, like an office, they have a nice website, they have brochures, and they, they, did a, they did a public kickoff event at the public library this weekend, and it was the one of the best attended things I've ever seen at the library. It's certainly the best attended thing I've ever been to. It was like standing room only, bringing in unsafe chairs. It was impossible to walk across the Saks room. Hundreds of people there. Even bigger than the League of Women Voters uh, school committee debate. Astounding. For which there was some astounding 30 people there, I think I only 20, half of whom were candidates. I counted 22, and uh, they were half of them were writing in notepads. I think they were all journalists. Awesome. Well, yeah, well, this is incredibly well attended. And uh, um, various speakers, there was a guy from uh, the group Mosaic who was sort of up there talking about like gang violence and street violence in the city of Worcester and his mm -hmm. experiences with that. And people were talking about the dreams of the center to you know, at, try to get mediation into that the was actually curriculum. Someone, someone brought that up last night at the Crime Watch meeting. Uh, a woman asked the question if the city has any interest or any plans to actually get involved with mediation programs, public mediation programs, uh, as opposed to uh, mediation programs that stem from the court system, which we've had for quite some time, and you know it's arguable what, how effective they are because a lot of them still you know, involve people being placed in the, uh, the criminal justice system. Uh, but it doesn't seem that we've made a lot of use of public mediation systems to yeah. try. Well, these and these guys are talking about sort of bringing this like public school curriculum, which there would be some sort of class and like, or some sort of program and like se settling your differences amicably or mediation or I don't know. I mean I don't know anything about school curriculum stuff. But this this is sort of one of their initial dreams. Anyway, it was interesting to me that uh, uh, Jim McGovern was one of the two sort of keynote speakers for this and did just a bang-up job of a speech, talking about sort of his own life and sort of the role of nonviolence in his own life and his own politicization when he was in college in D.C. And uh, I don't know, I thought it was interesting. Like, originally I thought it was an odd choice to have 
him on there because mm-hmm. I feel like as good as as good as a person might be, whenever you get involved with being a congressman, at least on issues of violence, I think it's an unfortunate fact of life that you can't help but become part of the problem. But like, it was a good speech, and I, you know, it reminded me like of why, all things considered, I'm glad he's our congressman. Anyway, anyway, um, <clears throat> so that was an awesome thing, and the video for that if, should be up today if somebody wants to see a bunch of people talking for an hour and a half at the library. Uh, I'm not going to talk about blogs. Let's first talk about city. Let's talk about challengers, city elections. We need change. <laughs> we need change, Brendan Milligan. <laughs> and I, I think that now the three of us should attempt to make a case for every single incumbent running for election. Uh, and we'll see if we can do it in 13 minutes. Joe Bryan. Um, <laughs> Joe Bryan para alcalde. Are we cases for challengers or for incumbents? We're making chase cases for every single challenger. Joe oh, Bryan. He kept saying incumbents. Oh, I'm sorry, not incumbent. Got, challenger, challenger. I worried there. Joe Bryan for mayor. He supports equal quality education for your children, job development for everyone, increased public safety in our neighborhoods, a better transportation system. And he does all of that in Spanish. He's bilingual also. <laughs> I don't know. You should you should vote for Joe Bryan because you know he knows about politics. He's been involved in politics in the city for a long time. He's a Worcester boy. Uh, he does like know these people higher up in the system, like uh, the lieutenant governor and our congressman. And like it probably can't hurt to have somebody like that in city hall. And it'll make Rosalie Torreya upset. It'll make Rosalie Torreya go insane. That's a great. That's a great or point. Or give her something more, more to write about. Jeff Barnard actually today on his blog said that he was going to vote for Connie Luke's despite the Telegram and Gazette, <laughs> which is the oddest reason I've ever seen anyone doing anything, despite the Telegram and Gazette. Jeff, th- rethink that one, man. Uh, Emmanuel Cicillanos, why should we vote for him? Uh, he has a creative. Uh, he, he's probably the most creative speaker that that we have going as a, as a challenger. His, his use of words. Um, I have no idea what the guy's ever talking about, but he uses words in such a beautiful fashion that it will uh, be a never-ending source of entertainment at uh, future council meetings. And and basically, with the, with the incumbents we would have left here for now, we would have pretty close to zero entertaining speakers with right, Rosen yeah, going and, away. And, and Emilio, he actually just brings mm-hmm. like art in the form of uh, uh, form of words to, to the council. Cola Akindele. Um, you know, Cola actually won me over at uh, one of the chamber debates, uh, and he, he may have said the same thing here, that you know, he grew up in Worcester and was always unhappy with the way things were run, left Worcester for a number of years, and when he came back, the very same people were still running the city. And I think that kind of speaks for itself. You know, if you, if you have any problems with, with the way things are going around here, uh, you can only look in one direction, that's towards our elected and appointed officials, and if they've been the same people that have been around since we were all kids, they gotta go. And I have to say, one of the, one of the, this may be a weird thing to judge people on. I tend to judge people on how they run their campaign for like how they'll operate as a city councilor. Mm-hmm. Man, his signs are everywhere of all the challengers, except for maybe Joe O'Brien. Like the most impressive, like especially and especially for a guy who's like you know, no name recognition. He doesn't you no know, name he, recognition. He, he's not like a local celebra- celebrity. He's not like a local personality. He just kind of came out for this campaign. His first campaign, and yeah, he's got some major di- distribution. We got 11 minutes. Mary Keefe, Mary Keefe, who could be who could be more part of a neighborhood than Mary Keefe? The neighborhood network center in the Piedmont neighborhood. If you're not from the Piedmont, you may not know Mary that well. You should vote for her because she knows how to deal things with things from the grassroots level. We need a couple of people on the city council who know how to sort of talk to the people and then make a decision rather than vice versa. 
Uh, Stephen Buckalter. Um, really big signs. Successful. He's a success. He's built a successful business. He knows how to get things done. Uh, <laughs> Bill McCarthy. Oh, I. I don't know if you have any reasons for Bill McCarthy. I have reasons for. He's Bill just super entertaining. I, I think that's it right there. I mean, he whether he can even he can say things that are ridiculous with a smile on his face, knowing full well that he's saying ridiculous things, and he still makes them sound somewhat serious. He no longer has a video on the front page of his campaign website about him speaking at a tea party event, but he used to, and now it's awesome because we again we need somebody. We have a lot of half-assed Republicans and conservatives on the city council. We need somebody who's we need somebody who, could, for example, can seriously ask, "Was Obama born in America?" We need somebody who can bring the crazy. If he was, where's the videotape? <laughs> <laughs> Where's the videotape, people? Uh, uh, Casella versus Smith, District 1? District 1. Why should we vote for Joe Casella over Josh Smith? I don't know. The roads in District... Every time I bike through District 1, the roads are terrible. Josh Smith, you've alienated the city manager or something. I don't know. We need we need new blood. We need somebody who can get the streets and sidewalks repaired in District One. Maybe it's be, maybe you know a good argument could be that uh, that, that Joff hates Asian longhorn beetles and Joe seems to not hate them nearly as much. And you know we need more love in the city. Coexistence. We need to learn to coexist <laughs> with the beetles because they're not going away. Um, uh, District Two, Councillor Palpatine. I'm going to say you should vote for anybody but him because when he shoots the lightning bolts out of the it's mean and but there's nobody running over there so uh, you're just gonna have to do a write-in yeah it would be awesome I have to say in these ones Gary Vecchio that would be interesting Gary Vecchio yeah. <laughs> okay <laughs> district 3 Clancy versus Bashai Frank Bashai uh, Frank has much better glasses he's got he's got really nice designer glasses and he's also got those in a huge picture on the front page of his website um, district 4 Ross versus Haller. All right, we could actually, we should be actually be able to make a case here because this is an actual race. I have to stay impartial on this one because I'm moderating a debate between the two of them next Monday, so I'm going to let you handle this. All right, well, I'm videoing a debate. This debate, by the way, I videoed the school committee debate that you moderated. La you and Gary Rosen moderated, and then my videotape broke. Yes. And then just last night I fixed it, so maybe I'll get this up before. If I don't get this up before the election, obviously I'm not putting this online. Maybe I'll be able to do that. Um, Barbara Haller has served the district. She's worked hard for a number of years. Barbara's done what she's going to do. It's time to bring in somebody who's got a new perspective on things. Grace very, has a very good understanding of the fact that so many of District 4's problems come from the pattern of home ownership there. It's a pattern that may not be easy to change. It may not be impossible to change, but it should be the beginning of all these different solutions. Grace is also somebody who's like totally coming, like as steeped into grassroots and stuff as anybody. So Grace is somebody who, whatever ideas she thinks should happen for the district, is absolutely somebody who's first is out there like talking to people, saying like, what can we actually make happen? What do the people want to ha make ha want to have happen? She's also very effective at working at the state level. That's why you should vote for Grace Ross over Barbara. It's time. It's just time to switch it up a little bit. Vote for Barbara next time. Bill Eddy. Let me say this. You know why you should vote against Bill Eddy? His own campaign sign is a cry for, for help. Do not vote for me, says Bill Eddy. Um, uh, city school committee. We have uh, seven minutes. Rob Diaz. He's from New Jersey. I, I like New Jersey. It's close to New York, and I love New York. So basically, so are you? You're allowed to comment on this. You yeah. moderated the debate, but now it's over. I know. I just like that. I, I, I like for the school committee. Uh, you know, there are some some incumbents that I, I think are have done a spectacular job, but there's always room for new blood when it comes to uh, the schools, especially. He's got kids in the schools. Um, yeah, yeah. He's uh, and he's from New Jersey. The camera's shaking because we're so cold. <laughs> You're not nervous. It's I'm just the just wind. Freezing. It's just the wind. It's it's not even that cold.
Oh, thanks. It's too late. Did you light a fire while you're sitting on That's what we need to do. Tracy Novick. Why should people vote for Tracy Novick? Uh, because she may actually know more about uh, public school systems uh, than Brian O'Connell. And that's really, really impressive. She's like an encyclopedia when it comes to ed reform and uh, mass general law regarding the schools. And again, I think somebody with a with a strong and different perspective, we just need that, you know, it's not to say we need everybody to be Tracy Novick or everybody to be any of these people on the uh, on the council if or on the to let us use her living room so we wouldn't be out here in this <coughs> wind. She's also our friend, full disclosure. <laughs> um, Diana Biancaria, why should people vote for her? Um, because she's a challenger. I <laughs> Doesn't she have she has had kids in the school? She has I kids. In so. the school. She actually worked with the school department as well too. So she has a, her own different perspective. She has an insider's perspective on the public schools. We need some we need some not all but possibly some insiders. It's nice to know what's going on in there. There you go. Well there you go. That's why you should vote for every single challenger. We may have just thrown the race for every single challenger. If you have any argument, if you have any counter argument to any of this, contact us, pieandcoffee at gmail.com. You can go to pieandcoffee.org or brendanmelton.com and you can send us an email or make us a phone call and tell us what we got wrong and we will share that information on the show. Um, I want to talk some, say some bad things about Worcester Magazine because we've got a uh, couple of minutes. Five minutes. Did you see this article? Advertisement, senior writer. Yeah. <coughs> Worcester Mag, a zine. Senior writer. Wanted, edgy, edgy. I wish I could macro this. Edgy, incisive, hardworking reporter for Worcester Mag. So they're. I don't think that they were still running this. So I guess they had a they lot found, of they response. Found an edgy person. I don't know. Anyway, I just think that that's ironic because I think my own connections with Worcester Magazine began like five years ago when I ran a mini rant about how it was a fundamental. It's like the whatever the opposite of self knowledge is mm-hmm. for them to for them to have described themselves five years ago as edgy. Right. It's like you have virtues. This is not one of your virtues. Don't think that it is. And I just think it's interesting. So it they, struck me. they still think that they're edgy, or maybe maybe they realize that they're not edgy and they're trying. They to need become to become edgier. edgy. It'll be interesting to see who this edgy senior writer is. It would have been edgier if they used a really interesting font for the word edgy in the... Uh, One of those fonts that looked like a, like a ransom note, like all the letters yeah. are cut out of the... It really edgy. Um, also, I want to say something else bad about Worcester Magazine, if my laptop is still on, that um, this week in their like wrap-up of the city, they have the statement, Worcester still under siege from the longest campaign season ever. Isn't this campaign season already like half the only half the length of the last campaign season? This was, you know, this was an interesting one though. Where I, I think even as recent as August, we were complaining about how it seemed like there was no campaign actually going on. Then just between September and October, uh, things blew up, and there's been you know uh, multiple debates. It seems like every night there's been no shortage of, of coverage in, in the papers. I don't think that it's been a long season. I think it's been an, an intentionally condensed season, uh, which has made it seem for these last two months, like there's been a hell of a lot going on, but there really hasn't been, uh, there's, there's been less than there should be. And, and, you know, we should have seen all this stretched out throughout the course of the year. We shouldn't be just figuring out who these people are uh, two weeks before we're, we're about to vote for them. I'm losing the ability to talk now. <coughs> I know this is going to be, this actually, this, this, I think this wreaks hell with my, uh, with like video compression algorithms. The fact that there's just, there's no pixel that's the same from frame to frame. <laughs> that's good. <you're> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Uh, do we have anything else? I anything exciting not. coming up? I, Something exciting is coming up. Oh, fundraising. 
barn raising? Yep. Yes. Ah. I'm actually gonna. I actually we're gonna go to this and videotape this with a uh, solid state camera so nothing will break. <laughs> Tell us about this because tomorrow is the National Day of Climate Action. Right. 350.org is a great site to go to if you are in Worcester or anywhere. Find out uh, all over the world. Find out about events happening for um, for the climate and the barn raising that's happening tomorrow should be a lot of fun. Gonna weatherize a house. And this is a deal. <coughs> Actually, I think this is awesome. They bring that thing where they attach to the door so they can like yeah. blow air into the house and see like what is the air or suck it out. Yeah. I don't know what they do. And then like where's this happening? Where's this happening? Oh, somebody's house. What's the organization name? You know, just give everybody your address and we'll all show up at your place. And you can meet us we'll link. It's we'll, on Lincoln Street. We'll, I'll, we'll we'll link this up from the show notes. This is uh yeah. this is uh and then and then like a bunch of volunteers just come in and they're like I want to learn to weatherize and they work for like four hours or mm -hmm. something and they weatherize the house and then, then they shoot the air at it again and they say oh look at the air pressure look at, and then everybody has like learned how to weatherize a house. And then they can go home and look look at all the gaps in their house and be like, now I know what to buy at the hardware store and how to install it. How do I, where do I sign up to have a bunch of strangers come to my house to weatherize things? Uh, the link will be in the show notes. <laughs> you have to be a nonprofit, I think, at this point. <laughs> to get all the volunteers. And use my house as an address. <laughs> the and then we'll move the business down to we're the house. We're, we're, we're also going to have a, we're also going to have a climate action painting, house painting, <laughs> lawn mowing. The, uh, the second event happening tomorrow is at the Wu Church. They're going to be planting, I think, 350 trees. At the church? Uh, not Maybe not at the church, but um, <laughs> but news. you start there. Mike, one more reason why to vote for a challenger. They just randomly show up in the woods over here. Why don't you it's... at least convince him to let you move someplace more sheltered? <laughs> this is insane. You're going to turn to icicles. Tracy Novick, we have 30 <laughs> seconds left in the show. Any final message for the people of Worcester? Uh, oh, that's where the Eddie sign went. You should vote for me on, on Tuesday, November 3rd. There you go. <laughs> Tracy Novick, all the challengers. Thanks for watching the show, everybody. Stay warm. We'll see you next week.